Hey everyone, it is Thursday, July 28th. I'm Mosh Wanunu and you're listening to the Mo News Podcast. This is, of course, the place where we bring you just the facts from verified sources and a breakdown of what matters in the news. We try to read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. I'm joined today by guest co-host, and I'm going to call him friend of the podcast now, oh, Kevin Mano. Kevin, how have you been? I've been good, man. Thank you so much for uh, for having me back. I appreciate it. I love being here with you. Uh, I see that you have a new background. Are you in uh, my former city of Chicago? I I am. Good call. Um, I uh, We record this, by the way. We are in different cities, but we record this on video. Um, yeah. So this is a new background. This actually is, I'm at my brother's home here in Chicago. So if you hear a little background noise, he's got a couple kiddos running around. Uh, so we might have and some And you're special... visiting the new baby. You're getting to see your niece for the first time? Yeah, there's no better way to commemorate National Aunt and Uncle's Week than visiting your nephews and nieces. So visiting my uh, my brand new niece, Maya, who's adorable at uh, just about three weeks old now. That's great, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I know you have a, you have several little ones running around. Kevin, I've been seeing <laughs> updates in your Instagram I have, feed. Yeah. Yeah. My, my daughter is six. Her name is Molly and my son Riley uh, just turned four. And then we have a dog uh, who we just celebrated his ninth birthday this week. So it's a, it's a full house over here. What's the dog's name? His name is Owen. Oh, I didn't say his name. Owen. Yeah. He's uh he's the best dog. Owen the dog turning nine. Big events <laughs> happening in the in the Mano household. We do a thing. I posted it on my Instagram the other day. Uh, every year, I was a big Breaking Bad fan, and we got him when Breaking Bad was like at an all time you know high fever pitch uh, fandom. So we make a little like whatever number he's turning. I made a nine out of begging strips and put it on top of his eggs on his birthday, like Walter White used to do on his birthday. So it's quite <laughs> I a love, celebration. I, one of the best shows in TV history. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, here we go. Let's get into it. Today's headlines, uh, we have a major development in the U.S. effort to free WNBA player Brittany Griner from Russia. Uh, the Fed makes its latest move on interest rates as we learn today about whether we are closer to a recession. How Instagram is reacting to all the criticism over its move to basically mimic TikTok. Uh, what a new discovery could mean for whether the famous Loch Ness Monster could actually exist. And we have tips. If you win the Mega Millions jackpot later this week, you're probably not going to. But... Uh, if you do, it's now topping $1 billion. We have tips on how to handle all that cash. I saw this headline cross earlier. They're like, tips on what to do when you win a billion dollars. And I'm like, ah, I got to click on this. I got to click on this. And this might be relevant <laughs> to at least one of our listeners today. <laughs> all right, let's get started. We'll jump in. Uh, the U.S. announced Wednesday that it has made Russia an offer aimed at bringing home WNBA star Brittany Griner and another jailed American, that'd be Paul Whelan. Uh, the announcement came from U.S. Secretary of State Tony Blinken. It reportedly includes the U.S. turning over a convicted Russian arms dealer currently behind bars here. Lincoln said he expects to speak with the Kremlin, uh, his Kremlin counterpart, for the first time about it later this week. And I should say, at the time we're recording this, that has not happened. But by the time you're listening to this, it very well could have. This is a uh, fast-moving story. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's fluid. This uh, marks the first major U.S. government announcement about concrete action it is taking to secure Griner's release. Remember, she was arrested on drug-related charges at a Moscow airport in February. So she's been there for a while. She's currently behind bars, and she faces a potential 10-year sentence the families of Greiner and Whelan, uh, who has been held by Russia for alleged espionage since 2018, they have both urged the White House to secure their release uh, via a prisoner exchange if necessary. This would override guidance by the U.S. Justice Department, which is generally against prisoner exchanges. Uh, Mosh, what are you learning here? Well, I've been watching these headlines play out all day on Wednesday. It's, been, it's fascinating to see 
what will happen. Keep in mind, Kevin, that the U.S. is not publicly talking about the specifics of the deal. Though what was notable is that they acknowledged that there is an offer out there and that Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, will be talking to his counterpart, that's Sergei Lavrov, the Foreign Minister of Russia. Um, but CNN appears to have some details from multiple sources within the U.S. government. And this is no surprise. We've seen his name uh, tossed about, but there's a guy named Victor Boot, who's a, a renowned, well, I should say infamous, Russian arms trafficker. He's currently being held by the U.S. He's on a 25-year prison sentence. The uh, sources tell CNN that right now the U.S. offer is to exchange Boot, the arms trafficker, for both Whelan the Marine and Brittany Griner. Uh, the sources also told CNN that the trade has gotten the backing of Joe Biden. Um, they have been trying to convince the president to do this because, as you mentioned, the Justice Department generally has a policy against these things. And right. it's not just the Biden Justice Department. It's been multiple Justice Departments. They feel that they don't want to incentivize the hostage taking of Americans abroad being used as bargaining chips. Now, other on the other end of the spectrum, you have advocates who say, regardless of those concerns, American government, it is important that Americans are able to come home. And if the American government can do it, that's great. The idea of prisoner swaps is not new. Uh, there was a successful release of a former Marine, a guy by the name of Trevor Reed, who was held captive in Russia for more than two years. The U.S. traded a Russian pilot who is being held here for cocaine smuggling. Again, so there's always there's this precedent here for this trade. The White House watched that. And they saw that Republicans actually weren't that critical of that trade. And so that has given Biden the sense that he can proceed here with a potential trade for Griner. Hmm. And to uh, to follow up on Griner, she is currently on trial right now. And like I said, she's facing 10 years in prison. She took the stand Wednesday and told the court that she had no intention of smuggling drugs into the country. She said she didn't know how that ended up in her bag. She had uh, been detained in Russia since February, like I said, when authorities said they found cannabis oil in her luggage at a Moscow airport. That's how this all started. And remember here that Griner plays in Russia during the WNBA offseason. They don't get paid much in the WNBA, and mm -hmm. uh, there is a payday for some female basketball players in Russia. So that is where she was. Um, getting back to her testimony yesterday, she took the stand. We don't have video of this, but she said that she was made, when she was arrested at the Moscow airport, she was made to sign different documents without actually understanding them. She had a Google Translate app on her phone, but she didn't know what she was doing. She was taken to another room where then her phone was taken away, and she was then made to sign even more documents, according to her testimony. No attorney was present at the time. And apparently in Russia, what her lawyers are arguing is that they actually have a law there that she should have been able to get a, her rights explained to her within three hours. That didn't happen. Um, and so apparently there, even in Russia, she believes, and according to the understanding of the lawyers, is that she should have gotten the right to speak to a lawyer before being interrogated by authorities. And most we should add that uh, she pleaded guilty earlier this month, but the point there was that the defense hopes that guilty plea will be taken into account by the court and perhaps you know lead to a less severe sentence, uh, especially if the Russian and US governments can't work out a deal. That's right, and, and we'll keep monitoring uh, these headlines. So stay tuned, folks. This is a fast-moving story. All right, moving on, we had uh, some big economic headlines coming out of D.C. this week. The Federal Reserve on Wednesday announced another interest rate hike. This is the second straight time they uh, raised by 0.75%. The goal, as uh, as we've been telling you, Moshe's been telling you, is to bring down inflation without creating a recession. This move takes what's called the overnight borrowing rate up to about 2.5%. 
While that rate most directly impacts what banks charge each other for short-term loans, it, uh, it feeds into a multitude of consumer products such as adjustable mortgages and auto loans and credit cards. Uh, the increase takes the funds rate to its highest level in four years. Most of the market rose after the move. So is that good news? Yeah, I mean, the thing about the market is the market doesn't like to be surprised. And so you'll see sort of this overt um, leaking and mentions by the Fed saying, hey, we're thinking about doing this. We're thinking about doing this and they'll watch the markets. And so the markets, most of the markets have been expecting this to happen. Uh, remember, the Fed has been criticized here for being way behind in dealing with inflation. You know, they were in denial on inflation last year and there were critics on the right and the left, even from some former Obama economic advisors, Larry Summers foremost among them, saying, you need to get on this Fed. And so now they've been on this sort of, we can call it an interest rate raising binge the last few months, trying to make up for what they weren't doing last year. Investors have continued to worry that the central bank's ongoing efforts to lower inflation will push the economy into recession or that we might already be in one. Those fears eased a bit with that announcement, including uh, Powell, the Fed chair, saying he doesn't think we're in a recession. Uh, he told reporters that there are, quote, too many areas of the economy that are performing too well right now to call ourselves in a recession. But Kevin, uh, this is sort of report card week for the economy. We will, we will be getting another report out today. That's the GDP report. That'll tell us whether the U.S. economy grew or contracted over the last three months between April and June. If that number is negative, get ready for many to say that we are in a recession because it'll meet a certain definition of recession. But that is going to be a debate that'll be going on for a while, the next few months, as various parties all have different definitions of a recession. Remember, recession is not a good look. Nobody wants to be in one. So everyone's yeah. going to come up with their own definition. I'll be totally honest with you. Uh, some of this sounds like I should have my Google Translate out here. It's kind of a foreign language <laughs> to me. So like for the day-to-day, -day, you know, average American, they, they raise this official interest lending rate. How does that translate? So a few things here. So the, you, you'll see the official lending rate at 2.75%. They're like, you know, so you're like, okay, well, what does that mean? Because I'm not seeing interest rates like that. Well, this is how it translates. Credit cards. Since most credit cards have a variable rate, there is a direct connection to that Fed's benchmark rate that you mentioned. And so as the rate rises, now 2.75%, uh, credit card rates will now follow suit. So a warning to all those who carry a significant credit card balance. Annual percentage rates are currently just over 17%. Uh, that could get up to 19% by the end of the year, which would be an all-time high. Another thing impacted by that uh, Fed carry rate, adjustable rate mortgages and home equity lines of credit are also pegged to the prime rate, uh, even though 15-year and 30-year mortgage rates are fixed, so it could impact you if you're buying a home. And for those of you buying a car, while existing auto loans are fixed, if you're planning to buy one, you will be shelling out more in the months ahead. Auto loan lenders also use that Fed benchmark rate to determine the interest rate you'll be paying on financing. And I, from what I understand, the good news here for, for savers is that this interest rate hike means you'll finally be able to uh, earn more in your savings in the bank, right? Yeah, you know, you're always looking at annual totals from the bank and you're like, how much uh, I had in my savings account? And you're like, oh, I made like uh, $22.15. <laughs> or yeah, like, right. So so the one thing is we've, we've been at this period where there's been record low interest rates. Now interest rates are coming up. So I guess the one item of good news, uh, and by the way, I hope that everyone listening doesn't have significant credit card because I'm worried about the credit card interest rates. Sure. Um, is uh, you'll see a little help on the savings. Um, one other question I've been getting a lot of on Instagram, Kevin, is uh, housing market, housing market, housing market. We did see some new numbers out today that 
shows the latest sign that uh, the market is cooling. Signed contracts to purchase existing homes dropped 20% in June. That's compared to June 2021. That's according to the National Association of Realtors. That's the slowest pace since September 2011, with the exception of a couple of weeks of COVID there in 2020. The steep declines coincide with a sharp jump in those mortgage interest rates. Um, so the uh, average 30-year fixed loan crossed 6% in the middle of June. So that's actually leading uh, buying of homes to really be slowing down. All right, moving on to this one. One of the bigger conversations this week, at least online, uh, is the one regarding all of those changes over at Instagram. It seems to a lot of us that they are uh, racing to keep up with TikTok, and they're changing the format to get farther and farther away from the sharing of photos, which is, of course, how they started. Uh, Facebook is changing as well. Mark Zuckerberg called it a, quote, major shift from the, uh, the feed of posts we're familiar with. They're instead using this AI technology to curate a feed they think we want. Uh, Moshe, I know you've, uh, you've really you know, grown a big following on Instagram. My wife has as well. So this is a personal one for us over here. And I know it is for you as well. Yeah, a lot of people are making their livings off of Instagram, right? I mean, yeah. for some, it's just like, you know, it's just, wait, I'm going to be seeing less of my friends and family. That's why I came on the platform. And for some people, it's like, well, I make my my business is on Instagram. Right. Um, the issue is that Facebook's business is largely on Instagram as well. Analysts actually estimate that Instagram generates a little over 30% of Meta's total advertising revenue. Remember, Facebook bought Instagram years ago for a billion dollars. By the way, Instagram, if it was standalone today, would be worth several hundred billion dollars. So great uh, purchase mm -hmm. by the folks at Facebook now called Meta, but Instagram is a big part of their growth. You know, Facebook sort of peaked. I mean, they saw a little growth in their latest numbers, but um, Instagram is key, especially since their bets on VR and the metaverse haven't gone so great. Um, and so there's been lots of memes uh, mocking Insta for essentially trying to be TikTok. You know, they see Well, you that posted some, you've posted some as well. And I saw that, uh, how do you say his last name? Is it Mossery? Ma Masseri. Adam Masseri, the, the head of Instagram, he uh, he commented on one of your posts, huh? Yeah. So the, so he actually is, he spent years at Facebook and then he took over Instagram from the founders of Instagram a couple years ago. Um, he's sort of trying to show that he's in on the joke. Uh, you know, we've saw some notable uh, critics. And so he, like I posted a meme, essentially it was like a clip of like Vince Vaughn in the movie, the um, internship, like mm -hmm. joke, like saying like, eh, I have this idea for an app and it's essentially Instagram. And I was like, oh, it's sort of that app is necessary again since Instagram <laughs> yeah. is pivoting. And Masseri like, you know, gave, uh, put an emoji uh, in my comments. Um, so clearly he's watching all of this go down. He knows, he knows that we're not happy. And like you said, notable critics, a bunch of celebrities are not happy with it. Like Kylie Jenner, she posted, quote, make Instagram Instagram again. Stop trying to be TikTok. I just want to see cute photos of my friends. Sincerely, everyone. And then her sister Kim shared that to all of their millions of followers. Hundreds uh, of millions. Mention, hundreds of millions. Hundreds yes. of millions. Hundreds <laughs> of millions. I feel like we should mention, uh, while we're talking about Meta and Instagram and everything, didn't Meta just report a, de a decline in quarterly revenue? Yeah, I mean, this is the this is the business case I was talking about earlier. That ultimately, what Instagram sees here is that um, people are spending less time on it. So they're like, "Well, what's our future?" Well, people are going to TikTok. Um, and by the way, like this is something Facebook slash Meta has watched in the past, right? They saw people going over to Snapchat years ago, and so they basically mimic the Snapchat. Um, advantage by creating Instagram stories. Right. Instagram stories, that concept essentially originated with, with Snap. And so now they see people going to TikTok and they're like, how do we mimic that in some way and recreate that magic? Well, let's create reels. And so they reported their earnings. And so 1% decline in revenue from the previous year, which may not seem that significant. They went from 29 billion to 28.8 billion. The more significant number there is that profit was down 36%. 
um, to $6 billion. So they've lost a third of their profit. Um, hmm. And so, you know, they think that they could see more revenue and more retention uh, with videos. And so uh, that's, that's essentially what we're seeing, uh, you know, despite what the Kardashian sisters and others uh, might be hoping for. How is this going to affect stories? I know you do a lot of stories. My wife does a lot of stories. That is, you know, that's, that's life for some people. Well, you know, what's interesting is so far, my understanding is they're not touching stories. You know, it's a lot of like what will be in your feed. But if they want people to keep watching these videos, they might de-emphasize stories, right? Remember at some point they put mm-hmm. stories across the top so you can yeah. easily access them. I mean, I often find myself spending more time on stories than permanent posts. Same. If again, tactically, they're trying to get people to watch other things, they might be like, oh, we're going to put it behind a button. Well, that again is, you know, essentially what I do. So one thing you should never take for granted with any of these apps, and this is a, a, a lesson that media companies have learned, and we've lost some media companies that you might have heard of through the years, when they basically bet their revenue and their growth on a specific feature on an app like Facebook, only to find that months or years later, one day they make a decision out of Menlo Park, California, and Facebook's like, we're going a different direction. So you have to, you know, and again, this is why I'm doing this podcast and doing a newsletter, et cetera, is I'm trying to make a bet and ensure that, you know, I, I can build a following and continue to bring out the news on multiple platforms should one day, you know, Instagram decide to change, change that feature. Okay, let's head to the speed read now. This is a roundup of some quick headlines from around the world. Kevin, where should we start? Uh, let's start with Joe Biden. He's back to work after recovering from covid President Biden ended his isolation on Wednesday, telling Americans they can, quote, live without fear of the pandemic if they take advantage of booster shots and treatments, the protections he, you know, credited with his uh, swift recovery. It was Biden's first public appearance in person since he tested positive last Thursday. He walked out of the White House on Wednesday wearing his aviator glasses and a face mask, which his doctor said he'll continue wearing when in proximity to others for more than for five more days. Yeah, by all accounts, Biden, who's our oldest president ever at 79 years old, had a mild bout with the virus. O'Connor, the doctor, consistently wrote in his updates that Biden's vital signs remain strong. His temperature only became briefly elevated. He suffered from a runny nose, cough, sore throat, some body aches. You know, he essentially tried to tell Americans that, like, I lived through it, uh, but because I have gotten the vaccine and I've been boosted, et cetera, and you can live through it too. And so, um, you know, at this point, Biden was the one notable person who I think had avoided COVID until now. I don't think there's anybody Hmm. left, Kevin. Was he the last one? (laughs) Actually, the Washington Post last week did do a story on the people who've avoided it the entire time. And some people think that most of those had gotten it, but asymptomatically. So I guess there's some holdouts there, but he was the the most notable one I had been watching. Well, more on President Biden. He got some uh, some welcome news and an unexpected breakthrough on his first day back in the office Wednesday. West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, we've talked about him a lot recently. He uh, reversed his opposition and announced he will support a Democratic package that includes major investments in drug pricing, as well as provisions to address climate change and taxes on the wealthy. Manchin is a Democrat, but is pretty conservative on fiscal issues. This deal represents a major breakthrough for for elements of Biden's agenda that appeared to be, you know, all but dead after talks broke down a few weeks ago. So this is good news for him. Definitely. I mean, Dems are looking for some wins to go to voters with. You know, right now they're the underdogs to keep the House and the Senate in their hands, in majority hands, 
uh, in the fall in the midterm. So they want to be able to go to voters in the fall saying you should keep Democrats in charge because Democrats can get things done. So this bill will include $369 billion in spending on energy security, climate change, $64 billion for Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act. They claim they will more than pay for it with $739 billion in new revenue. This was Manchin's concern that basically he's concerned that government continues to spend, spend, spend and isn't bringing in money. So they have found new ways to bring in money that includes a new 15% corporate minimum tax, uh, prescription drug savings, and better IRS enforcement on people avoiding taxes. Also, in a major blow to certain folks on Wall Street uh, who have figured out ways to uh, cut down on their taxes, there's an agreement for $14 billion is expected to come in uh, by treating the so-called carried interest as regular income uh, and taxing it at a higher rate. I won't explain it further because it, it means something to a handful of really rich people on Wall Street who are going to be really disappointed when this passes. Um, Manchin, as I mentioned, had been worried about paying for it. Uh, he now calls it, he's like, this is not Build Back Better anymore. This is the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. And it comes, Democrats have something else to go to voters with. The Senate passed a major package to support U.S. domestic semiconductor manufacturing. This is chips, computer chips, essentially. We've had a shortage uh, from China. And so the Senate's trying to invest in producing more here. Okay, staying with politics, uh, we'll pivot slightly. Speaker Nancy Pelosi, it looks like she will be getting some extra protection if she visits Taiwan in the coming weeks. The Associated Press reports that the Pentagon is prepared to send fighter jets and warships to protect Pelosi if she visits the island nation. China has threatened to take military action if she goes. Defense officials said the plans likely involve sending air and sea assets to protect her on her flights to and out of Taiwan as well as on the ground. Mosh, I know this uh, this planned trip has been pretty controversial so far. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, we've been watching this, and obviously China threatening military action. If the U.S. Speaker of the House visits Taiwan, is pretty significant. Let's hope it's an empty threat. She was actually supposed to go back in the spring, but she tested positive for COVID, aforementioned, and she has a tentative trip planned for August, according to leaks, uh, but it has not been officially confirmed. Uh, but effectively, you know, there's enough out there where you're like, okay, she's totally going to go. A Chinese official said Tuesday that Pelosi's visit would seriously harm China's sovereignty and territorial integrity and damage the foundation of China-U.S. relations. China, remember, has long claimed that Taiwan, Taiwan is an island of about 24 million people, about 100 miles off the coast, is part of China which Taiwan opposes. It is actually, if you go back into history, it is where the democratically elected reps escaped during the Chinese Communist Revolution back in the early 50s. China has vocally opposed any recognition of Taiwan as its own country. So there's like this weird middle ground the US plays here, where our policy is something called One China. We recognize China as the government of Taiwan, but we say they don't have territorial control of the island if that makes sense. But effectively, it's been our policy for 40-something years. We continue to sell Taiwan weapons. Certain politicians like to go visit there. Um, mm -hmm. And so China, though, in recent months, has stepped up military activity. And Taiwanese leaders watched what happened over in Ukraine. Russia invaded it. And they're worried that China looked at that and said, oh, we can do that. And is the White House trying to talk Nancy Pelosi out of going? That's a couple of reports. So this is behind the scenes. The understanding is that they're trying to get her not to go. And then you have like Mitch McConnell and Republicans who are saying like, oh, Nancy, you're going to kowtow to China. Like you should definitely go. So this speaks mm -hmm. to the Republican talking point. The Democrats are weak on China. So this has become much bigger um, than anyone initially suspected. All right, moving on now to a few pieces of TV news. First up, uh, after his controversial exit from CNN, Chris Cuomo has found a new home starting this fall 
They'll be in the primetime lineup over at News Nation. Moshe, I know you uh, have been in the news world for a long time. I don't know too much about News Nation. Are they actually like competing with the big players, the CNNs and Fox Newses of the world? So the first thing you need to know, Kevin, is we have a hometown connection to News Nation. It is uh, based out of Chicago. Um, ah. It was formerly WGN America. It's owned by Nexstar, which is a big local news group. Um, and they're trying to do a cable startup in the early 2020s. They're trying to play to the middle. Uh, by the way, it is hard to start a cable network these days. Look at all of us yes. on podcasting and streaming, et cetera. By the way, I'm, I'm here in the uh, in the city of Chicago where I think you might be hearing some background noise. There's some bugs outside. Um, I thought I heard some crickets. Yeah, I thought, I yeah. thought maybe the podcast was getting a little boring. I was hearing crickets, but uh, no, oh, please continue. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so News Nation was WJ in America. They've had a few iterations. They're trying to compete uh, with cable networks. CNN was created in 1980. MSNBC and Fox News came about in 1996. Um, you're now in the 20s. You have streaming. You have podcasting, etc. But they're they're going for it and to try to get viewers. Uh, they're going to go with some names, including controversial names like Chris Cuomo, who of course was fired by CNN for his um, supporting his brother during the sexual uh, abuse and assault allegations he was facing. Chris Cuomo, by the way, faced his own allegations. They have Dan Abrams over on News Nation. It's unclear uh, what Cuomo is uh, specifically going to do. They know they're launching a show in the fall, but like what that show will look like, et cetera. Um, and also Cuomo had a couple hundred thousand viewers over at CNN, which doesn't seem like that much, but News Nation actually has much less than that. So this could be a significant boost if they could convince Cuomo fans, if there are still Cuomo fans from CNN to head over to this new network. In other TV news, uh, Moshe, I know you are familiar with this woman. Her name is Alyssa Farah Griffin. She is reportedly getting her very own chair over at The View. It said that she has been tapped to fill the spot left by Meghan McCain. Meghan left the show back in August of, uh, of last year, and they, they've had a bunch of guests filling in since then. And now it seems that Alyssa Farah Griffin is the permanent replacement. All I know, Moshe, is that she worked in President Trump's White House. Is that right? That's right, um, Kevin. And she, I mean, The View has now been on the air for 25 years. Where you, people might remember it from the days of Barbara Walters and uh, Meredith Vieira, et cetera. I think Whoopi Goldberg's still over there. And they've always had like one chair devoted to a conservative viewpoint. Um, right. Alyssa Farah, she has a lot of experience on Capitol Hill. She worked for Mike Pence in the Trump White House. Uh, media liked working with her. She actually resigned in December 2020, just after Trump lost the election. She was actually very unhappy with the way the White House handled the defeat. She said they weren't coming to grips with actually losing the election with all these uh, allegations of uh, widespread fraud, which you know she called BS. And so she left. And so uh, it's notable that The View has put her in the chair. They were looking for someone on the right, but not too far right. And as a conservative who is critical of Trump, it appears that Alyssa fits the bill. Uh, and lastly, another vacant TV hosting job has been filled. And I think we can all agree that Alex Trebek had some very big shoes to fill. We love the guy. And it's now officially taking two people to fill those shoes. Mayim Bialik and Ken Jennings are both getting that job. Fans were torn. Which one should get the job? Which one would get the job? And Sony decided to give it to both of them. They're not going to be hosting together, but they'll, you know, split the duties. Moshe, do you remember when that when that Jeopardy producer, Mike Richards, he kind of gave himself that job as host and uh, like immediately all of these skeletons just tumbled out of his closet and it lasted for like a day? Yeah, he, he was the executive producer. And then he was like, by the way, I'm the executive producer and I'm making myself the host of the show. Um, and I hadn't heard the name, but then it turns Same. out like in this day and age uh, that people start digging. They're like, well, who is this guy? And they found some offensive comments he made on a podcast. He was effectively 
uh, pushed out. It appears Jeopardy is happy with their new plan. By the way, this has got to be one of the most fun jobs uh, in oh, television. Oh, for sure. Like long-term, you're hosing Jeopardy and you look like a genius all the time, right? Because you have the answer yeah. to all the questions. Um, the show's new EP uh, explains that the rationale for the two hosts was actually the fact that Jeopardy is now rapidly expanding as a brand. That includes Celebrity Jeopardy uh, spinoff and a second chance tournament that invites standout contestants back to compete. So it looks like Maya Bialik, who I will always know as Blossom Russo uh, and right. Ken Jennings, uh, will have, uh, have several shows to be hosting soon enough. I like those choices. I think they're both great. Sticking with entertainment right now, Moshe, this is a follow-up to something you and I talked about last week. The Kardashians were under fire for their alleged use of private planes for very, very short trips, all while claiming to be environmentalists. Uh, since then, similar stories involving other celebrities have come out, and now Drake is trying to set the record straight. It was reported by the, uh, the Twitter account Celeb Jets that Drake took a 14-minute flight on his private jet. According to the account, he went 38 miles and used 402 gallons of fuel. The internet tore into him, as the internet does. Uh, and now he's speaking up. He wrote on Instagram, quote, this is just them moving planes to whatever airport they are being stored at for anyone who is interested in the logistics. Nobody takes that flight. What is your take on this, Mike? <laughs> well, first of all, if you're interested in this, this celeb at Celeb Jets on Twitter is a fascinating follow. Because yeah. you're just like, wait, who flew where, when, on what plane? Um, and then you start, you can go deep and you start Googling it. So Drake is essentially <laughs> saying that he's like, well, I wasn't on this flight. But when you think about it, like the plane that takes some places is taking this flight. So Drake, you sort of are associated with this. Like if right. it wasn't for you, the plane wouldn't have to reposition itself like that. According to the Guardian newspaper, this is a newspaper based out of the UK, flights recently taken by his plane with him on it or not have resulted in five tons of carbon dioxide being emitted. Uh, that's just in the past two months. That marks uh, the highest amount released among the celebs that The Guardian looked at. According to the report, this figure, five uh, tons of CO2, is purportedly higher than the average annual global emissions of the average person. Um, wow. And that's just Drake's plane over a couple months. By the way, number two on the list, uh, The Guardian looked at Mark Wahlberg. Uh, he emitted his, or at least his plane, I don't know if he was on all the flights, four tons of CO2. Moshe, I have one more here from the entertainment world. On Wednesday, the great Norman Lear celebrated his 100th birthday. Uh, he worked in film as well as TV. He's best known for TV. He was a writer and a producer. Most people know him from uh, All in the Family, Sanford and Son, The Jeffersons, Good Times, Who's the Boss? He is a legend. Uh, when he was asked about the meaning of life at 100 years old, he said it can be expressed in one word, tomorrow. I think mm. that's amazing. When asked how he feels, he said, quote, at the moment, I feel like I could do a second 100. Amazing. Well, if he, if he can bring us uh, some great TV, um, like, like he did in the 70s, those are some real great shows. Um, mm -hmm. let's, let's all pray for another 100 years for Norman Lear. Um, <laughs> ABC will be celebrating a special dedicated to him in September, on September 22nd. It's called Norman Lear, 100 Years of Music and Laughter. Uh, I actually had the fortune, real randomly, working with his son-in-law at CBS. Um, so his daughter is married to CBS's chief medical correspondent, John LaPook, who would often uh, share great stories about Norman being, you know, having Norman and his family um, in the CBS newsroom. Uh, he's a few years ahead of some other comedy legends that are still doing well, well into their 90s, Kevin. Mel Brooks, Dick Van Dyke are a uh, young 96 compared to Love Norman's them both. 100. Um, and uh, by the way, Norman Lear celebrated on Where Else Instagram, uh, posting a video clip on, I didn't even know until today that Norman Lear had an Instagram feed, so I'm now following it. <laughs> um, it was a clip of him singing That's Amore, uh, still in tune, Kevin. 
That's amazing. I told you recently that I read uh, that book by James Burroughs, the famous, uh, you know, also legendary TV director. He talked yeah. a lot about Norman Lear in the book. It was such a such a fascinating read. I didn't read it. I listened to it, but it was great. Uh, but my problem here is this special is going to air September 22nd. That's <laughs> It's like a long time to make a 100-year-old wait. <laughs> I get worried about this, like uh, having watched what Betty, what, uh, Betty White exactly. this year. Like, let's just hope they're keeping Norman Lear in a secluded bunker somewhere uh, safe for that se- September 22nd yes. special. But yeah, I mean, All in the Family, Sanford and Son, I mean, these were shows, uh, the Jeffersons, these are just the revolutionary, um, given mm-hmm. where we were at as a country, and really uh, helped push society, um, real impactful. And honestly, you know, Kevin, you watch them today, and you're like, could shows like that even get made today, given kind of where our politics and, and you know, political correctness has gotten? Probably not on network TV. Oh, no, yeah, it'd be a, Norman Lear would be a famous Netflix producer. All right, the existence of the Loch Ness Monster is plausible. This is from a university about 500 miles outside of Loch Ness. Scientists found fossils of a small plesiosaurus. It's a long-necked marine reptile from the age of dinosaurs in a 100-million-year-old ancient river system in Morocco's Sahara Desert. Blows my mind what some people are doing out there in the world. The findings suggest the uh, reptiles may have lived in freshwater. Images and eyewitness accounts have suggested that the beast has a long neck and a small head similar to a plesiosaur, if I'm saying that right. They've been gone for like tens of millions of years, Kevin. You can call them whatever you want. (laughs) Um, so, So first of all, like as you said, this is a discovery in a river that once exists in the Sahara Desert, which is like the driest place, one of the driest yeah. places on earth now. Um, it's not like they found, you know, a skeleton like up in, in Scotland somewhere. So according to the independent newspaper, this is another newspaper of the UK, skeptics have argued that plesiosaurs could not have lived in Loch Ness. They needed a saltwater environment. So just imagine getting into these debates with scientists who are just like, well, you know, this dinosaur that lived, you know, 60 something million years ago, it could only have lived this way. And you're all, they're all detecting this based on bones. Um, the belief is that these plesiosaurs actually died out 66 million years ago when that asteroid, the famous asteroid impact, uh, blotted out the sky and basically killed off the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Um, they were uh, ancient marine reptiles that apparently like looked a bit like the Brachiosaurus, but were sea bound. So, I mean, they were like a nightmare of a creature, long necks, sharp teeth, uh, a carnivorous uh, seal relative, apparently. And... The thing about Loch Ness, as we know, Kevin, I don't know how deep you've gone into the folklore, but this goes back 1,500 years in Scotland. There was a famous uh, or infamous 1933 sighting that gave it modern resonance. Um, it actually turns out that that 33 sighting that kind of went around the world was just hippo tracks. And there's been monster hunters and alleged hmm. photos of the years, but all unsuccessful in terms of finding Nessie so far. So that picture I have in my head, like a grainy image of the long neck coming out of the water, that was hippo tracks somehow, or was that fake? The, see, there's so many of those photos. Apparently in 1933, I don't think the photo you're talking about is the uh, hippo. I think it's okay. something else, but like, was it fabricated? Was it not fabricated? I don't know, but apparently there's evidence in Sahara Desert of something. And so people want right. to the, keep the hope alive. It's like what we talked last week about, uh, is there alien life, Kevin? People exactly. Wanna, so it may have dream. existed, not in our lifetime, not for millions of years, but it may have at some point. Correct. And finally, we will end this today with a little bit of hope for all of us. If you've ever dreamt of becoming an overnight billionaire with a B, this is your chance. There was no winner in Tuesday's Mega Millions drawing, so the jackpot is now over $1.02 billion. Uh, I should say that nobody hit all six winning numbers, but some folks did match the first five, so there were eight tickets that won $1 million each. Uh, But that big pot, it just grows and grows, and the next drawing will be held Friday night. Mosher, you get in a ticket. 
I I will be getting multiple tickets, Kevin. Um, and uh, you know, you got to keep you got to keep hope alive. Um, you know, even though I think the odds are always like one in three hundred million or still something. Exciting. Like, still exciting. Still like exciting. I think you're more likely to get hit by lightning, is my understanding. Then I think then, multiple times. Yeah. Mul- right. You'd be one of those rare situations getting hit by lightning <laughs> twice is more likely than winning this jackpot. This is the third time in history that the Mega Millions jackpot has climbed into ten-figure territory. Only the fourth billion-dollar lottery prize in U.S. history. Um, I saw a USA Today article uh, with tips, practical advice. If anyone out there ends up winning this thing, I saw it across my phone and I was like, I got to click on this story. I need to know what I need to do should I win the lotto. And so uh, here's what you need to know. Here are the tips. Uh, should you, someone listening, be the lucky billion dollar winner? Um, experts say that tip number one is to remain quiet, which may seem obvious, uh, but you should remain anonymous if you can. Actually, that's only possible. I just Googled this. In 10 states have a law allowing mm. lotto winners to be anonymous. In 40 states, you're out of luck. You Your name will be revealed. Um, and so, you know, one of the issues you have to be aware of is scammers. Should you win? If they ever call, text, or email you, those are common scams. The Mega Millions representatives do not text you like, hey, are you the winner? Send me, you know, your right. data. Um, and uh, the other tip from USA Today, should you win one billion dollars in the lottery is to uh, hire a tax attorney, a tax accountant, and a financial advisor immediately. Oh, to have such problems, Kevin. Yeah, that'd be nice. I'd, I'd be happy to take those on the payroll. I've seen people, I guess, trying to stay anonymous, like you know, signing the big check or whatever with like a Chewbacca mask on, just to to hide their you know. You're you're you're, you're going to find out you have many many more cousins than you ever thought you had. <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's let's dream. Uh, I hope you have a couple days to uh, go out and get your Mega Millions ticket. Um, and that's it for us today. Thanks everyone for listening to the Mo News Now Daily podcast. Kevin's is the last time you joined us. Um, I know, man. Love- I'm so impressed. You've been doing this daily. I love it. I, I, yes, I, I'm I'm trying my best to keep this going um, and find enough time in the day to put together a good podcast for everybody. You know this, Kevin, you, you had a daily podcast going for a while. It's a, it, it, it's a yeah. grind after a while. It's a lot of work. Mine, my episodes were like 12 minutes long, so I had nothing on you, but uh, yeah, well, I'm impressed and I'm enjoying it. <laughs> well, over time, these may get shorter and shorter. Um, <laughs> but, but actually that is one thing you could help us with is, is feedback. Uh, we have an email address podcast at mo.news. So let us know how you're feeling about what we're covering, the format, et cetera. This is a living, breathing thing. And I want to ensure that this is uh, effective and productive and meeting the needs of everyone listening to this. Um, a reminder, uh, beyond this podcast, we have a newsletter, the Mo News newsletter, monews.bulletin.com. And you can follow us 24 seven while uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Adam Masseri still let us on Instagram and not without doing reels <laughs> from my Instagram account at Moshe at M-O-S-H-E-H. Um, you know, I dabble in the reels, Kevin. We're not doing reels every day, but you know, you gotta the you pressure, gotta play man, the game. It's hard. You know you have to, but uh, it's just so much pressure. So, so much pressure. And you know, it's so interesting, the criticism, I don't know if we got to this earlier, is that, you know, they're like, well, more people are consuming reels. And people are like, we're consuming reels because you're feeding it to us in our feed. So of course, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> um, and finally, uh, as we continue to build this podcast, don't forget to follow the show, subscribe to the show on whatever app you're listening to us on. And please leave us a review in the app store. Um, Kevin, thanks for joining us again. Thank you so much for having me. Enjoy Chicago. I love Chicago. I hope you have a great time. Great city. And it's one of those rare times, uh, Kevin, where we have a couple days in nice weather here in July. And it's not like atrocious. So we are are going to enjoy it while we're here. The best. See everyone back here tomorrow.